I'm Carrie Brett, and this is Shot at Love. Today, we welcome back Flora Ong, the incredible dating coach and founder of Redo Love, and she'll discuss how to stop responding to low-effort behavior. Engaging in low-effort behavior creates more of the same. It also shows others what we'll accept or tolerate. Unfortunately, we avoid cutting off low-effort behavior because we don't want to feel empty or lonely or have to look within ourselves to figure out why we are accepting this kind of behavior from the beginning. Flora will share how understanding yourself and your attachment style is valuable and why once you figure this out, you'll discover this is something you can control and in turn, change the outcome. When we come back, we'll learn how women give their power away by being easily accessible, readily available, or responding in a weak moment. And we'll learn how to avoid these traps, understand subconscious manipulations, and why it's human nature to want to keep a connection going, but not at the cost of being mistreated. You won't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Laura Ong is the founder of Redo Love, a dating and relationship coach, as well as a matchmaker. She has set up hundreds of matches with an 85% success rate. After a failed 14-year marriage, she joined the millions of online app daters in her search for love. During this process, she found out she had no idea how to date, how to love, and be loved. Flora turned all of her blunders into a quest to find her way in love and help others who struggled with similar issues. Her focus is to help others identify their blocks around dating to find the love they want while experiencing peace in the process. And if you listen to my most recent episode, How to Stop Living Off a Meme in a Dream with Flora Ong, you'll understand why I immediately had to bring her back for part two. Today, we'll discuss handling text messages, learn when to attach and detach, and why the right person feels different to your nervous system. It's my honor to introduce Flora Ong. Hi, Flora. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks so much for having me again. I'm glad we get to continue the conversation. I'm glad too. I'm like, need more Flora. This is so good. (laughs) (laughs) So much we have not talked about. There's so much learning in your journey. I said on the last episode that I see so much of myself in you, but we tell it a different way, but Mm -hmm. it's still valuable information for people who are out there struggling, navigating the world of online dating. And when you describe yourself in the early stages of dating, you were a lifetime responder, not an EMT, but a person who who needs to (laughs) know every little thing, respond to every text, or feel the need to get the last word in. I was like that too. Like I had to have that one last joke to hook them. Just put the phone away, Carrie. Leave them wanting more. I was too creative for my own good in a sense. (laughs) (laughs) and I would shoot myself in the foot every time. How do you think you've changed or stayed the same as you've grown and learned about yourself through online dating? You asked such a great question. I don't even think you realize how great because I have changed. I mean, I've really, really changed, like complete 180 kinds of change. But I'm going to talk about the subconscious. I know we started that conversation last time, so I'm going to hope everybody's like listened to the last conversation You know, your subconscious seeks the familiar. No matter how much you change, your subconscious, it's your patterning, it's your conditioning, it's your program that has been embedded in you since like childhood. It 
always wants to bring you back to what is familiar. So even though I have changed, there are ways in which, you know, the subconscious is still kind of sort of playing the same game. Now, it's not necessarily playing the same game where it's killing you, torturing you, hurting you to the depths that it did before I had my like personal awakening. But it still is, it's still up to the same tricks, you know, it's still doing the same thing. And so while I've changed, there's still these things that happen with less intensity, with less risk or pain associated with them. But, you know, when they're kind of in your face, you're like, oh, shit, I'm still doing that thing. Yeah, well, it's hard when you're in it to see the forest through the trees. And you're right, the universe has a way Hey, Flora, this this guy, they come in different packages, so you get right. tripped up. Exactly. And you know you get caught in the emotion of it. Am I going to dance with this fool again and go down this road and lather, rinse, repeat? I don't know why that happens. It's like the recycling of exes who come circling around. Like, There's definitely patterns when you're dating where if you don't have the information, you're like, not today, Satan. I'm not, you know, like once you have the information, you're like, not on my watch. I'm not doing this. But if you don't have it, then you're in trouble. I personally don't think having the information is enough because I had all the information and I continued to do the same shit and know I was doing it and just tell myself not to do it and then do it anyway. Right. Yeah. So there, there has to be a real shift in your inner world there has to be a real breaking point there has to be a real rock bottom that really makes you want to change you know most people won't change I mean like one of my favorite comedians says something like people won't change until uh until their pants are too tight you know you're like not going on a diet until you you don't fit in your clothes anymore kind of thing so There has to be an impetus. There has to be a reason. If you're not making that shift on the subconscious level, if things haven't gotten that bad for you, then you're prob- you'll probably continue to do the same thing over and over. In the last episode, you said there's no point in giving dating advice because people always go back to their subconscious thoughts. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really powerful. And it's true, unless there's a pain factor... My mentor used to say to me all the time, Carrie, what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again. What is this getting you? Is it getting you results? Are you getting closer to finding somebody who treats you well? Then stop doing the same patterns. Even still, with that understanding, you make them anyway. Because again, until that healing is done within the subconscious, and I mean, don't get me wrong, there are people who do learn from information, right? There are people who have different like learning styles, right? So there are, there's some level of human, maybe, I don't know, 20% that can learn just from understanding information and then redirecting. And actually, quite frankly, those are probably the secure types, right? Right. This didn't work out. This hurt me. I'm not going to make this mistake again. But when you have an anxious attachment style and somebody's telling you stop texting, this person because they're not responding to you and you keep texting them and it's not helping and you're getting the same result over and over. There's such a deep pain inside that person with anxious attachment. There's such a deep need for connection. There's such a deep need to control the situation so that they have the connection 
telling them not to text is like telling like a hungry dog not to eat the food in front of it. It's just, it, it, there's no way that that dog is not going to eat the food in front of it. You know what I mean? Right. It has to, it's going to do it. So it's kind of, um, kind of the same thing until that inner, you know, the essentially the inner child is healed. And that goes for anxious attachment. It goes for avoidant attachment, but avoidance, you know, don't have a texting problem as much as the anxious do. <laughs> All the insecure attachment cells have to heal, you know, on an inner child level, basically, in order to really subconsciously change their style. Things get misunderstood very easily over text. When it goes south or just kind of falls apart and you're just like wow I didn't know that this was going to take on this life of its own mm-hmm. women will tend to send multiple texts to try to fix it and that's the worst thing you can do yeah the only thing men respond to is silence isn't it horrible <laughs> <laughs> it's true though I mean once you understand that it's really hard yeah, well, I mean, I think I said in one of my TikToks something like children, dogs, and men respond to positive reinforcement. And any level of engagement to their kind of low effort text tells them that you're interested. Right. To your point, when you don't respond, they hear that, you know, but they don't, he- when you're responding to their low effort behavior, they are, um, they continue to have that low effort behavior, right? Until you stop responding. And when you finally stop responding, that's when they're like, oh shit. But by the time that normally, by the time you've stopped responding, you've really stopped responding. That's probably the last time they'll ever hear from you. So it's a hard lesson, I think, on both sides, you know, like for the man and for the woman, because by the time you've learned the lesson, it's kind of too late for the relationship. Absolutely. Because they keep coming around for that dopamine hit. You keep giving them what they want when it's like, why? You left me hanging for a week, 10 days, two days, like stupid. What am I doing here? There's no date. This is just... A time waster looking for money in the attention tip jar. People are bored. People are lonely. And we live now in a culture where this is acceptable. It's not that it's acceptable. It's that we're so, I think, that we're so lonely and that we're so bored. And we, a lot of us are working from home that any, you know, any interaction is exciting. Right. You know, or feels exciting and it's misinterpreted, you know, like the body misinterprets what it means. So now, like, instead of like somebody being in front of you and sitting with you and really like connecting with you, like now, a, hey, how you doing text is, you know, gets the same level of excitement. Like a Daniel Still novel that someone wrote to you. It's like, no, it's just, hey, how are you? How you doing? Yeah. I mean, there's really so little effort in that. Let's talk about what is low effort behavior within text. And you had this guy in your field. I want you to tell this story. He was in your field Uh for about eight months. He wasn't super attached. Tell me what happens when you finally get on the phone. I want to just preface it because I do think it's important to say that like we went on three dates. He checked off a lot of the boxes on the list. Our communication style was so obviously different that I couldn't get past, I just couldn't, I I saw this as like, okay, this is my opportunity to say no to something that isn't 
working for me, right? This is already like well into my growth, well into my personal development. And I was very clear that like, this was, if you will, like a universal test, right? I said, look, you know, I've had a nice time with you, but I don't think this is going anywhere. And he was very interested in keeping things going. Like he called me a week later he was upset. He was like, I've been thinking about you the whole week. Like I really felt like I connected with you, you know, and all this stuff. So I was like, oh, wow, well, maybe I should reconsider this. And from that point, we tried to make plans. Things didn't work out. And it was just my initial instincts were correct. Like his communication style wasn't ever going to work with mine. Then it, like you said, it went on for eight months. Uh, he would text me every once in a while and just be like, Hey, hi, how are you? And I would say, I'm good. How are you? And then sometimes he'd respond and sometimes he wouldn't respond. And sometimes we'd have like this short kind of conversation. I'm good. You're good you know, that went nowhere ever, then he would just kind of like fall away. Every time I was like, what, like, what, (laughs) what, what do you want? Like, why are you texting me? But I really didn't care so much. So uh, I would next month he would text again and I would respond again thinking like, Oh, all right, well, I don't know, maybe like we'll talk this time. And then again, it would fall away. And that just kept happening for like a solid eight months. And until finally we got on the phone, so we get on the phone, we have like the catch up conversation. And then he says, I, I asked him, I said, look, you know, you seem so interested. And then I was willing to kind of like re-engage. And now, and then every time we would text, you would never initiate a plan. You would never initiate a date. You wouldn't really like chat with me. Uh, I said, what's up with that? What, why? And he said, well, you know, I guess like, I guess I knew that like I needed to be ready for you. I guess, you know, you like I had to take you seriously and maybe I wasn't ready to do that. He says, but you know what, Flora, you know, the thing about you. And I was like, what? He's, and he says, you always, always respond. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I swear to you, I had been talking to like my cousin the night before And I had said to her, I have to stop responding to people. Why do I always respond? You know, and she, you know, she was, she, this is probably the million times she told me to stop responding. And so it was just one of those universe slapping you in the face kind of light bulb moments. Not that I didn't know, but you know, it was just kind of like hitting me on the head with a brick kind of thing. Right. I probably need to have your cousin on the show at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) But if you want to unpack this, think about it. I mean, eight months of this guy in your field. You can have a baby in nine months. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. So they have these collector dolls of people that are in, oh, let's go back and see if Flora's still hanging around. And it was never going to go anywhere. So there's a couple of good things in the story is that Number one, he knew that in order to keep it going, he had to be serious. Well, I can guarantee you he's probably still on the dating apps because it doesn't seem like he wants anything serious. He knew that, so that's good. Don't waste my time. So you had Mm -hmm. all these clear boundaries and you had a ton of growth, but then the caveat of the story is, why were you still responding? Right. Why was I still responding? What did I think I was going to get out of him and... I think, again, with anxious attachment, that there's this underlying desire 
for relationship and relationship. I don't want to say at any cost and keeping the possibility, the potential open, because again, on the list, he checked off a lot of the boxes, right? So it wasn't like he was a bad guy. He wasn't a mean person. He wasn't a jerk. He didn't, you know, he wasn't a playboy. And in fact, I don't even know that he's, he is or isn't on the apps, but he was somebody that could, was never going to be able to communicate with me in the way that I needed to be communicated with. I wasn't asking for crazy things. We couldn't see each other for, you know, week to 10 days because we both have kids and the schedules. I just wanted to get on the phone. And he was somebody that didn't like to be on the phone. The other point in this, even, I think that's another learning lesson for people out there is these things are obvious very, very early on. And I know that at another time in my life, I would have just let all that stuff go uh, just because he he's interested and he likes me. And I would have foregone my own need for connection or regular communication in order to just stay in something with somebody that I thought was like, you know, hitting the things on my list. What's even funnier is that after that conversation, we made plans to meet up. I don't know. We made plans, let's say for a Saturday by Friday, I still hadn't heard from him. And I had to text him on Friday or Saturday to find out what was going on. And he made up some excuse about something going on. And then I finally blocked him. Even after that conversation, he still couldn't get himself to do the thing that he seemed to want to do. I know now and I knew even within the conversation with him that this has nothing to do with me. He's blocked. He has issues. You know, why am I, to your point, like letting this person in my field to take my energy to block my potential blessings, let's say, you know, for lack of a better way of saying that, for why? (laughs) This is when the list needs to go out the window and logic needs to come in. Because if you take love out of the equation, would you deal with a coworker or let's say you were interviewing, would you deal with someone who gave you a runaround for eight months? Never. You never would. I was on the great love debate not too long ago in Boston with Brian Howie, and they asked me, what was it that you really liked the most about falling in love with your boyfriend? Like, what was so important to you? And his big thing in real estate is end of business. Like, get back to someone, end of business. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's how he was. He would never let the day start without talking to me Mm. and he was the last person to check in before I would go to sleep and that constant attention was very attractive to me yeah and I don't want to fight for people's attention it's exhausting yeah but it's human nature to want to keep the connection going and leave that door open to possibility no matter what the cost but the cost is always us then people tell you, oh, you're too picky. Or then people tell you, oh, you're too harsh. There's just so much messaging out there that keeps you feeling like, or keeps you not knowing what is right and what is wrong. And until you learn yourself and what works for you and what doesn't work for you, you're just going to be a, what I call a victim of circumstance. You know, you're just going to be, oh, this guy likes me. So, okay. Like I'll hang out with him. Oh, wait, this guy's being nice to me. So 
okay, uh, maybe I'll go hang out with him. Or you'll fall into the trap, you know, of the anxious attachment trap where you're, you know, constantly trying to pull somebody towards you that isn't really that interested. It becomes very confusing when you are not clear on who you are, what you are, what you want, how you want it. There's what is missing in even what I'm saying that like I think gets missed in a lot of messaging about dating is trusting your intuition, but also knowing that you're in that your intuition is clear, that you're unblocked from, you're not responding from a place of trauma. You're not reacting from a place of trauma, but you are actually cleaned up and cleared out from like the inside out so that there's not a defensiveness about any of this. It's coming from a place, this just doesn't work for me, but you're a great guy. Nothing wrong with you. It's not working for me, you know? I mean, I think it's important to know these games or these subconscious manipulations, but the bottom line is if it doesn't make you feel good and you're feeling terrible about yourself and you're writing lists and your notes on your phone and you're, you got a, a pie graph and chart and <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, what's going on here? Once I started to get stronger in online dating, when people would just start to not treat me well, I'm like, I'm done. I'm blowing this up. I'm, out yeah people would say well carrie i think you could be a little cooler i'm like no i can't i'm tired i I was so tired (laughs) so people do struggle and they feel like they're losing (laughs) their mind and it's so hard when you want to text back and you know you can't reach out but it's so painful and it makes us feel so bad about ourselves yeah how did you learn to reframe all this or understand yourself or what exactly was happening? It was a painfully difficult process having to be on my own and not sit in the discomfort of not texting, sit in the discomfort of waiting to see what happens if I don't text. Am I going to hear from this person or am I not? And more than, more than not, it was a no, I'm not hearing from this person. Then what, you know, there was like my own compulsions and discomfort around it. There was facing the reality that I wasn't wanted. There was facing then my own, why do I want this? Why am I sitting here crying about a guy that I slept with a couple of times that doesn't call me? Is this what I want? How does any of that make sense? It doesn't. But, you know, when you throw in, and a lot of people go through this, both men and women, after divorce, because you've now lost your stability in life. You've now lost whatever, whether it was a positive or negative relationship, whichever way, there was some stability there. There was some familiarity. Now that's gone. My kids are gone half the time. I don't know how to fill my time. I don't know how to fill my space. I don't know how to be my own person. I had to like relearn to live, let alone relearn to date. And I had to relearn who I was and I had to find myself. And it took, it took a while. I mean, there was a four month stretch where I cried, not like in, in the healing process, right. Where I cried every single day. I had sales calls that I was like trying to sell things and I was crying. (laughs) You know, like my eyes were tearing up because I couldn't get through the day without having time like that because I was really starting to finally look inward and heal my inner child and see my inner child and understand 
how scared, afraid she actually was, you know, and what she actually needed. And I didn't even know that existed. All I thought was, oh, he likes me or he doesn't like me, you know, and what do I do now? This is all good because you were like, well, I don't know myself. So now I have to find new activities or try something new, put the focus on myself versus that other person. So if something's up and you don't know what's going on, drop it like it's hot (laughs) and just get out of Dodge for a while because you're not going to be able to talk them back in. You cannot convince anyone to want you. It's not going to happen. If you're at the stage of convincing anybody of anything, it's over. Because you're in the overselling, it's just not attractive. You're coming from a place of desperation. You're coming from a place of not being in your own worth. Nothing comes from that. And I I can tell you that 100% because I have tried it every which mm-hmm. way. I have tried it. Through texting, I have tried it through thirst traps. I have tried it through being straightforward and thinking I'm communicating. Because of that, I've really learned that it has not, most of the time, it has a lot less to do with me than it has to do with the other person. Agreed. But what you do have control over and what does have to do with you is you're the one who can close the door. Yeah, there's that amazing Mark Groves quote from Create the Love. He says something like, if you want to be here, come in. If you don't, do me a favor. Don't stand there and block the door. Oh, I like that. And the thing is, we let people block the door. We ask them to block the door. We're like, please stay. Please mm-hmm. stay. Somebody else may not come in. So just fine. You want to stay there? Just stay there. Just don't go. But that's lack-minded, and that's not being in your worth, and that's not holding your own value. Men will waste your time if you let them. Men will hang out. (laughs) They don't care. And the person who doesn't care is always going to have the upper hand. I was actually listening to this other Trill AC. He was saying, you don't have to lie to women. Women will lie to themselves. Oh, wow. He's like, you can be straightforward, and if a woman wants you, she will make up all the lies and excuses to herself in order to justify it any which way in order to keep you around. That was me. Depending on my level of feeling for somebody, they could have told me, well, you know, maybe we'll do like an open relationship, (laughs) you know? And even though I know that that's like the worst possible thing for me ever, I might have been somewhat open to it because I was so... desperate and lack-minded and had no worth at the time. And they sense it. And they'll take advantage and they will completely and totally waste your time. I had another guy recently, similar kinds of thing, but I, I cut it off a lot quicker. Like we had this great night together. Also, like, again, this is very low, low emotion on my part, no attachment on my part. But, you know, something to do, shall we say, right? Shall we call him (laughs) something to do, you know? Um, And he would text, he like texted me. And then I would text back like, yeah, how are you? And then I would hear from him for two days. How am I supposed to get excited? How am I supposed to feel sexy? This is completely like a casual situation, right? But even in that, like as a woman, 
how do you want me to get excited about interacting with you when you are putting in absolutely no effort? Hottest guy, really amazing night. And I'm not down for this kind of stuff anymore, but I was like, I'll consider it here, you know? But again, if I'm not hearing for you for two days and then a week at a time, and then every time you come back, you're like, oh, I'm sorry, busy, busy, busy. Like, take your busy somewhere else and yeah. go be busy with someone else, you know? How great would it be to find the love of your life? The man of your dreams. Do you believe online dating would work if you had the right tools to be successful? Well, I have exciting news. I've created your best shot at love masterclass. I cannot wait to share with you what's worked for me in my life and for many of my clients that have helped over the years. If you enroll in this class, you have a winning mindset and believe in getting help before you start something new. If you're ready to see changes in your dating life and want to take action, check out my free webinar at shotatlove.co. If you decide you're going to choose another path, that you're worth it and you're willing to enroll in the masterclass, you can also register at shotatlove.co. I designed this masterclass specifically for you to be successful. Please know that everything you're going to learn in these nine modules and six coaching calls has been carefully curated for you so you can gain the success you truly want. I will be there for you the whole time. In the meantime, I wish you all the success and I can't wait to hear about your story of finding love. I'm Carrie Brett and I will be your mentor and friend through this incredible journey. Busy is bullshit. That's what yeah, it is. Busy is not a thing. It's not a thing. It's, it's not, not a thing. It's not real. Like if I had to give men any advice, I'm actually, now that we're talking about it, I'm going to make another video. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> inspiring. Um, See how we're never, like feeding off of each other. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, never, ever, ever say that. Stop it. Stop saying you're busy. It's such like an offensive it's an offensive thing to say, it's you know, true. what you're saying is you are my last priority. And when I will get to you, I'll get to you. That's what busy means. If I feel like it. And if he wanted to get on the phone with you, he would pick up the phone. Yeah, exactly. So if you're ruminating and writing notes and not sure, we're sorry to relay the information, but this is not your person. It's not. It's not. You know, when I was in this deep, desperate state in my life, I, you know, started looking for dating coaches or, you know, just started like looking stuff up online. There was this, this older dating coach, Rory Ray, and she said just that she's like, if you're, you know, desperate, if you're holding on, if he's not the one. And I was like, no, 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 no. you're, you don't get it. Right. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> He was so not the one, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like now years later, I'm like, oh my God. I know, but we can't separate the stories that we make up in our mind versus the reality of the situation. Part of the reason I do this and my whole group, so I'm really excited to announce that I'm starting my next one on January 18th. And what we focus on is taking the focus off of this exterior 
the external validation, the external, this somebody, something outside of me is going to make me happy. And we start focusing it on what will actually keep you content in life, right? Which is you. Life is going to change 10 million thousand times between now and the time that you die. If everything in life, everything outside of you has an effect on your psyche, you're going to lose your mind. Absolutely. So you have to find your center. You have to find your core. You have to know who you are. You have to start to understand how to like read your intuition. And I, I know a lot of people are in this position. I thought I knew who I was, but I didn't know anything until I got divorced and was forced to live life on my own and make it on my own. You know, I had nobody to, nobody to blame anymore. That you could take full control though. And so you start looking for somebody else to put all of that onto until the reality hits that, that you can't and you really hit rock bottom. Because no one else can make you happy. That's too much pressure to put on anyone. You have to make yourself happy. Yeah. And it will ruin every relationship, that assumption that your partner is going to be your everything. You can't have a healthy relationship with the assumption that that person is supposed to fill every role, be everything for you, be your friends, be your activity buddy, be your emotional support on every level, in every space. You know, it's just, it's not it's not real and it's not fair. And I, you know, in my, my whole marriage, my mantra was if he would change, I would be happy. That was my mantra. If he would only change, I would be happy. <laughs> like, is that insane? <laughs> it's hard to get out of a marriage though. It's hard. It is hard. And I have a couple of friends going through it right now. And it's really, it's, it's also hard watching them yeah. be in that place knowing how much better, how hard, no matter how hard it was, it is the most like revitalizing, empowering, greatest thing that will ever happen to you once you're on the other side of it. And it will get easier. And you do get to a place where you're not afraid. You understand you can't control all these outcomes, but you can control yourself and how you handle yourself in the dating world. And how you stop letting people take advantage. So I think this is all really good. And I think one of the things that you said in one of your TikTok videos was when in doubt, don't send the text. (laughs) (laughs) It's so simple, but Mm -hmm. you send the text because you want to calm your nervous system. Yeah. But don't send the text and find another way to calm your nervous system. Can you talk about that? it becomes a compulsion, right? To get that dopamine hit from interaction. And when somebody's not reaching out to you, you start to feel like your security and your stability is like, you know, the ground is falling away from under you, right? You start feeling like you're free falling and like, oh, will you ever hear from this person again? And and you have to reach out and you need to reach out. And so what's really happening is that, because this is a conditioning, you think it has something to do with this person, but what it really has to do with is this conditioning from childhood where there was a lot of inconsistency in the attention you received from your parents, the attunement you received from your parental figures. 
every time they would like, they would be around, they would be loving, but then they would leave and you never knew when they were coming back, right? Because you're a little kid at this point, maybe like a toddler, right? Two years old or something like that. Because you have no sense of time at two years old, because you don't know what an hour is. You don't know what three hours is. You are just kind of like, uh, are they gone forever? And, you know, you start to develop this anxiety, this internal anxiety, like at such a young age, that anxiety is what is being triggered. That same anxiety, that same feeling is being triggered when somebody you think you're in love with or you're, you're attached to starts to, it feels like they're pulling away. And so you now as an, as a baby, all you could do is cry. Right. But like as an adult or throw a tantrum, right. But as an adult, what do you now have all these new these new ways of being, you can text and you can call and you can, you know, you can try and see them or go to where they are and do these like kinds of crazy, quote unquote, right? Like crazy things. So that is really like what you are needing is that love that you missed from your parents, but you're kind of misappropriating it and putting it onto the sky. And so you start trying to text him and reach him at, reach out to him and your nervous system is what is actually activated what the first protocol is is to calm your nervous system and what can you do to calm your nervous system how can you do you go for a run do you do you do jumping jacks do you play violin do you whatever it is that brings your nervous system down you got to find the technique to do that and I think you said movement or do an activity, yoga, whatever it is, go out, take a walk, change your environment. Yeah. I'll talk to a friend. And I mean, you know, talking to a friend works to some for like a short period, but you know, then the whole thing is reactivated again. And it really, there's, you know, it's not just one, unfortunately, it's not just like, Oh, do this. And it goes away. Right. It's kind of like, again, back to the diet you know, just don't eat at night. No big deal. No problem. You know, just stop eating after eight. A lot of people find it hard to stop eating after eight, right? And they're back in the cookie jar. They're back in the snack cabinet. Until you resolve those internal issues, until you address that inner child, until you reparent yourself, you will continue to have, you know, the same things come up. You might get better at sitting on your hands and not doing it, but that feeling will still be there. Mm. And, you know, and that's, again, that's like what we work on in my program because I understand that, that pain so well. And I understand the difficulty of what it, what it's like. I mean, I've had so many clients come to me, you know, in the first meeting and they're like, Oh, I know you're going to tell me to block him. And I'm like, I would never tell you to block him because you'll just unblock him the second, you know, the second that compulsion comes over you and, you know, you'll go back to your old stuff. So let's just figure out how to get you to a place where you want to block him, you know, where it's not coming from me. It has to come from you. Well, this leads me to my last question because you have a lot of experience navigating pain and hurt when things don't work out. I think this is where people struggle the most. They don't want to face the reality that it ended for a reason. And you say, don't focus on the highlight reel, focus on the documentary. (laughs) What advice would you give someone who's really suffering, even though 
you know it ended for the best, like all things work out for the best. And you need to change your focus and look for something healthy. Like what would you advise someone who is really in that ground floor rock bottom? The first thing I tell people is, you know, where you put your focus is where your reality lives. So if you're focused on the lack, if you're focused on the the misery of not having this person, if you're focused on the past and, you know, how good things were and you'll never have it again, you're just going to continue to like relive that same story. Right. Every day. Woe is me kind of stuff. So you know, when you're ready to like move past that, you have to start focusing on what is next. My sister gave me, when I was, I had my first boyfriend, he broke up with me. I was devastated, like cried and cried and cried. You know, I was like, what am, what am I going to do? And mm-hmm. she said, you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to brush your teeth and you're going to put your pants on, and you're going to go to school, and you're going to live your life. And it was like, it was like somebody like slapped, again, like hit me with a rock, you know? Mm. I was just like, oh, yeah, life goes on. You know what I mean? Like, my life is not over because this person is not in my life. You know, how do you want to live your life? You want to live your life in this misery of what could have been, of what wasn't, of what wasn't really that good, but you just, to your, you know, convinced yourself that, like, it felt good here and there, you know? Or are you going to go and live a full, happy, contented life? I think it's really good. It's like, rearview mirror, forget about the highlight reel, forget about going back and going through the documentary for the hundredth time, just focus on what's next. I think that's so good. So what's next for you, Flora? Tell us what you have happening with all your work. Well, uh, like I said, I'm starting my next group on January 18th and I'm super excited because I feel like it is, you know, it's the new year and people are recognizing that they have some bad patterns and they have some bad habits. And I've had a lot of people, you know, reaching out to me kind of lonely over the holidays and ready to like make the shift. I'm honored and excited to get that going again. And that group really focuses on getting people to find yourself. I mean, it's it's called finding the one. And, you know, what do I always say? You are the one. That's who we're looking for. And when you find yourself, people are magnetized. You don't have to convince anymore. You don't have to pull anymore. You don't have to force anymore, right? You create such a different energy that people want to be a part of you and a part of your life. Couldn't be more excited for that. And that's like my big thing that I'm working on right now. I have free webinar called Relearn to Date based on your attachment style. It's actually a masterclass, but it is a free webinar. So um, if you want to, if you don't know anything about your attachment style or, or why I keep talking about it as kind of the basis for all of this stuff, it is a really in-depth explanation of the attachment styles, why they form, how they form, where they live in your body, and why they're so hard to, to break free from, but totally possible to do that. I have a free attachment style quiz and my one-on-one work. That's great. And that all can be found 
on redolove.com www.redo.love perfect and they can follow you on instagram under the same name and watch your tiktok videos as well so thank you so much flora i loved having you on for part two (laughs) thank you thank you so much you're great and i love being here so thank you for inviting me again And for now, this week's Shot at Love dating tips that are inspired by our guest, Laura Ong. Number one, when you find the right one, you won't need to write lists of why he's not calling you in your notes section on your phone, and you won't feel confused, anxious, or bad about yourself. You'll feel happy and at peace. Number two, when in doubt, don't send the text. You can write the text that you wanted to send and take a screenshot so you can remember it the next day, but know your power remains in your silence. Number three, always remember you're the architect of your own destiny and in control of your future. Stop focusing on the negative and focus on the things you want in order to create more of that. I hope you found some of my tips helpful this week. This is what Shot at Love is here for, to help you find love. Keep up the commitment to yourself and commit to helping someone else by sharing this podcast. Stay safe and stay tuned for more episodes. And if you like this show, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. I'm Carrie Brett, and we'll see you next time.